Thanks for downloading this podcast from Burghead Free Church in Murray, Scotland. We exist to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Our vision is to grow to be a vibrant all-age church of 100 disciples. Find out more at burgheadfreechurch.org. We're going to read uh, from the Bible. Uh, So if you want to follow in the Bible, you need page 1062. Um, or it's also printed on your sheet. It's also on the screen, so you can take your pick. But follow along in one of those places. And we're reading from Luke's Gospel uh, for the last time in our little series, Season of Invitation. So Luke 24 and verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Father, we've sung that you have made known to us the path of life divine. We pray that your words would be as life to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak today about Copernian heliocentrism. I'm not sure if that's what you came here to hear, but I want to speak about Copernican heliocentrism. So when you go home and someone asks you how was the service, if you want to sound clever, you can say, "Mm, yes, it was interesting. We discussed Copernican heliocentrism. What am I on about? Well, Copernicus was a scientist. He lived around the turn of the 16th century. He was an astronomer, to be precise. He was someone who who studied the stars and the universe. And in the 1540s, Copernicus published a work presenting compelling evidence that the Earth and all of the other planets orbited around the sun. Before it had been believed that the sun and all the other planets orbited around the Earth. His work was masterful, it was genius, and the evidence he presented was compelling. But it was also hugely controversial. 
some, but not all, in the church, and many of his scientific contemporaries just rejected the theory outright. They had already decided that, of course, the Earth was the centre of the solar system. They'd already made up their minds, and so they just dismissed this guy as a lunatic without even bothering to look closely at the evidence he presented. Copernicus, of course, was right. And let me say today, please don't make the same mistake with the resurrection of Jesus. I meet so many folks who say, of course Jesus wasn't raised from the dead because people aren't raised from the dead. They've already decided that it's not possible and it it didn't happen. They've already made up their minds that that sort of thing is just not possible. And so they dismiss the idea without looking closely at the evidence presented. If you're visiting us this morning or maybe you've been coming along to our season of invitation, I want to say thank you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening in. And let me urge you not to make that same mistake with the resurrection of Jesus. You need to examine the evidence. Let me tell you that one of my greatest bugbears is when people, sometimes well-meaning Christian people, when they talk about faith in Jesus, they say, oh, you just have to have faith. As if faith somehow means choosing to believe something despite the fact there is no evidence for it. But that's not how biblical faith works at all. Real Christian faith is trust in God because of the evidence. And the Christian faith is a historical faith. It stands or falls on real events in history. Real events like the resurrection of Jesus. So look, the resurrection of Jesus might seem unlikely to you, or or at least unexpected. But that doesn't mean it isn't true. You need to examine the evidence. And so from our passage today, here is the first block of evidence. It is unexpected evidence. If the resurrection of Jesus seems unexpected to you, well, you're in good company because one group of people who were not expecting the resurrection, despite the fact they'd been told about it in advance, were Jesus' own disciples. And so as we pick up our passage today, a report has come to them that Jesus, whom they knew was dead, was now somehow alive again. And they are skeptically discussing this, verse 36, when... Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. They were startled and frightened because they weren't expecting a resurrection. And that's the first piece of evidence. See, the disciples, these people, they weren't naive, gullible people who were wandering around expecting to find a resurrection around every corner. Like many people in our culture today, it seems they were more likely to believe in ghosts than to believe in a resurrection. The disciples didn't make up this story. They weren't expecting this story. In fact, even after Jesus appears to them, they are still skeptical and full of doubts, as you would be too. That's verse 38, because Jesus says to them, 
Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? So even though Jesus had spent a good portion of his ministry telling, warning his disciples that he was going to die and then rise again, until they saw him, they were not convinced. Which just goes to show you that, that these witnesses were not gullible or easily led. The evidence for the resurrection was to them unexpected evidence, as it would be to you. They had to see him. They had to touch him. And that's the second bit of evidence. It is physical evidence. Jesus went on, verse 38. Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And they think he's a ghost or, or something. But Jesus isn't having any of that. And he gives them what I like to call three ghost tests. Firstly, he says, touch me. I'm real. I'm physical. The first ghost test is actually a double test. Do you see what he invites them to touch? It's his hands and his feet. That is the scars of his crucifixion. He's saying, not only can you be sure that I'm real and physical, you can also be sure that I am the same one that you saw with your own eyes crucified. There were many witnesses to Jesus' death. You can leave behind any notion that Jesus didn't really die. The Romans were ruthlessly efficient at killing people and, and execution uh, this Uh, um, crucifixion was their favoured form of capital punishment it was very common they were very well practised you can also incidentally leave behind any idea that Jesus of Nazareth didn't really exist you do sometimes hear people say that but no serious historian including serious atheist historians will seriously argue that You can be sure that Jesus really lived and Jesus really died. And here in the eyewitness accounts, we find the testimony that he was really physically alive again. And not alive in a kind of he'll live on forever in our hearts sort of a way. Not alive like some sort of spiritual metaphor like a phoenix from the ashes. No, no, really physically alive. And as if the first two ghost tests weren't enough, Jesus does what I like to call the tin of tuna test. Verse 41, while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. It is unexpected evidence, physical evidence. Thirdly, written evidence. I love a good legal drama. Virtually everything I know from the courtroom comes from watching Suits or Silk or Boston Legal. In the courtroom, written evidence is worth its weight in gold. Legal teams hunted out documentary evidence to show not just that the crime happened, but that it was planned, premeditated beforehand. And Jesus is saying that his death and his resurrection is like that. It was planned long ago. His death wasn't 
an accident, it it wasn't a mistake or, or an unintended tragedy. No, he says to them, verse 45, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. It was always planned by God long ago that his son Jesus would come to earth and suffer and die and rise. And so as you might expect, the Old Testament, that is the record of God's dealings with his people in the past, reflects that. You notice that Jesus says the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms all speak of him. And if you were a Jew, those are the three terms that you would use to summarize the Old Testament Bible. He's saying that all of it, all of it is about him and points to him. In fact, if you were to take up Luke's gospel and read right through it, you'd see that that Luke makes a point of this again and again. He's always quoting from the Old Testament to, to help you see that the things that Jesus did and said were planned long ago. Of course, all of the Bible is is God's unfolding plan to seek and save the lost, to to rescue his people. So so in that sense, in in sort of broad brushstrokes, it's all about Jesus. It all points to Jesus. But then, of course, there are those moments, those passages in the Old Testament written hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ, which speak so specifically about him. I could have given you tons of examples. Here's one. Some words from the prophet Isaiah, written about 700 years before Christ. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Isn't that the crucified Christ? Innocent yet punished by God, afflicted, pierced for our transgressions. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. It's extraordinary. It's unexpected evidence, physical evidence, written evidence. Fourthly, eyewitness evidence. You, says Jesus to his disciples, this is verse 48, you are witnesses to these things. See, because Luke is claiming that the resurrection of Jesus is real, physical, historical, it stands to reason, doesn't it? It stands or falls on eyewitness evidence. If this really happened, somebody must have seen it. In fact, that's been the case right through our season of invitation, right through Luke's gospel. I don't know if you were here for our reopening service five weeks ago, but but we looked at the first verse of Luke's gospel that day. It went like this. Here's how Luke began his gospel. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. There's that idea of them being written and fulfilled again. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were, what? Eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So Luke claims you have in your hands 
eyewitness evidence of these events. Luke says he has been thorough in gathering eyewitness evidence from those who were there, who saw it. The gospel accounts like Luke were written very early, soon after the event. We have a very, very great number of very early, very reliable historic manuscripts. In fact, there is far more evidence that points to the, to the reliability of these documents than to many other ancient texts that historians trust implicitly. Add to that as well, because these things were written soon after the events, there would have been plenty of other eyewitnesses still around. So if the disciples had just made all this stuff up, there'd have been plenty of people to say, no, no, no hang on, that's not how it happens. Someone would have discredited these Gospels. There were plenty who wanted to. And the early church would have never gotten off the ground. But it did. And here we are. That's why it's so important, says Jesus, that you were eyewitnesses of these things, including his resurrection. And then there's the eyewitnesses themselves, the disciples. Having met the risen Jesus They were so persuaded that they spent the rest of their lives often enduring great suffering to spread the message of the risen Christ. Now some of the history is a bit sketchy, but we have a fair idea of what happened ultimately to most of these disciples. To give you a few examples, Peter executed in Rome for his faith. Andrew probably tortured and executed in Greece for his faith. James, definitely executed by stabbing or beheading for believing in the risen Jesus. John, well, he died of old age, but imprisoned on an island for believing in Jesus. You're starting to get the picture. Philip, crucified. Bartholomew, probably executed. Matthew, probably executed. James, beaten to death. Thaddeus, probably crucified. You see? Do you really believe that all of these men, if they had made up this story, would have died for it? People don't die for a lie. No, these men were convinced that that Jesus had really died and really been raised. But lastly then, where does the evidence point? You might be saying, so what? What's the point? What difference does it make? And maybe you're starting to see that the evidence does pile up. Maybe Jesus really did rise from the dead. But if it's true, what are the implications? They're pretty obvious when you start to think about it. Number one, if Jesus was raised from the dead, it means that this physical world is not all there is. It means there is a spiritual realm, a spiritual reality out there too. Number two, more than that, if Jesus was raised from the dead by God the Father, well, it means that God really exists. There can be no doubt. Number three, if Jesus is a man who predicted his own death and resurrection and was right, well, then suddenly you realise we have to take everything else Jesus said very seriously indeed. Because it means Jesus really is who he said he was. The saviour. God come to earth. 
And then it starts to get very personal for each one of us. Because, number four, if Jesus was raised from the dead, then it does mean that there is life after death for each one of us. There will be life after death. And the question that Luke's gospel poses to us is this. Where will you spend that eternity? Will it be with God in paradise or apart from him in hell? And if that seems too stark or or too harsh, just rewind. Remember, if Jesus was raised from the dead, we need to take everything he said very seriously. And Jesus spoke an awful lot about life after death, both in heaven and in hell. So many of his parables were about a separation like that being made after death. The sheep and the goats, the wheat and the chaff, the wise and the foolish. Where are you heading? Heaven or hell? I don't say any of this to to shock or offend you. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I say it because Jesus said it. And because Jesus warned that without his help, without his forgiveness, we are sinners who are heading to an eternity apart from God. If you've been here for our season of invitation, you'd have seen every week that that Jesus was in the business of seeking and saving people who were on that path to destruction. See, if we will accept Jesus' help, if we'll accept him, have him as our saviour, well then we can know that when he died on the cross, he did take on himself the punishment for sin. And he did give to us all of his goodness so we can be made pure, so that we can be accepted by God into eternal life in paradise, as Luke calls it, with him. And listen, if that's true, that is urgent news and you need to hear it and receive it. And we need to take that news to more people. Which is exactly what Jesus says in verse 47. He says, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, starting in Jerusalem and continuing here today, even in Burghaz. What does Jesus want from you? He wants repentance. That is turning away from sin and coming to him instead for wonderful, free forgiveness and new life. Listen, to know that forgiveness is to know peace, peace with God. It's very moving that that when Jesus first appears to his disciples here, he says to them, do you remember? Peace be with you. He wishes these disciples peace. And yet this is the same crew who just a few days earlier had betrayed him and abandoned him to a lonely death. But because of that death, Jesus wants to bring forgiveness and peace to sinful people, even people like these disciples, and even people like you and me. 
I hope you've been seeking to examine the evidence with me this morning. You may well think that that, that's what we've been doing, seeking the evidence, seeking after God. And in a way, we have. Remember, though, what we learned two weeks ago, if you were here. For all that we think we're seeking God, Jesus has come to seek us. So today, let me ask you, is Jesus seeking you? Has he been opening up his word to you these last few weeks and and calling you to trust in him for forgiveness and peace, calling you to follow him? That's what he did for these disciples. Verse 45, he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. It is about us examining, examining the evidence. But more than that, there's a spiritual dimension here. Jesus has to open it up so that they can understand. Why? Well, look, in one sense, of course, it it is wonderful to to think that our sins could be forgiven. But in another sense, remember, we need to be forgiven because we are by nature people who push God away, who don't want to know him. But you see, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, then Jesus really is God's son. And so I really do need to listen to him. If this is true, I cannot carry on living my life as if Jesus is not king because he is. So we want to push God away, but Jesus in his grace and kindness instead comes to open up his words to our blind eyes so we can understand it. So we can see our needs to know him as this wonderful risen king. I believe that's what he's been doing for some of us these last few weeks. And if that's true of you, let me say now is the time to put your trust in him, to receive him as saviour and to follow him as Lord. When it came to Copernicus, people rejected his ideas for a while at least because they didn't want to look at the evidence. It was an important issue. But it wasn't a life or death issue. This is a life or death issue. Don't make the same mistake. Examine the evidence and see Jesus, the risen Saviour. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful, compelling person of Jesus. Thank you for all that we've heard of him, his life, his death, his resurrection over these last five weeks. Father, thank you that he came graciously, kindly to seek and save lost people like us. Father, I pray, help us to be those who will receive him as saviour and follow him as Lord. And we pray in his name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Please feel free to share this podcast. And if you'd like to be up to date with each week's talk, why not search Burkhead Free Church on your favourite podcast app and hit the subscribe button. For more information, go to burkheadfreechurch.org.